0: I'm Audrey Cooper, the editor in chief of the San Francisco Chronicle. Today, it's less than two weeks before the first official Warriors game at San Francisco's Chase Center, so I invited Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau to the studio. We cover a lot in this interview, including the times he made Kevin Durant cranky with his coverage, what the team is expected to do this season, and why nearly all the players have moved to San Francisco. We'll also discuss what we in the newsroom have come to call the Connor Laterno curse. That's coming up next on Fifth Emission. Connor Laterno, welcome to Fifth Emission.
1: Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, um, you have um, an exciting month coming up because you, you get to move into a new home, sort of, don't you?
1: Yeah, I guess you could say that. It's kind of in the process right now. I feel like I live at the arena at times, so it really does feel like a new home. I mean, a lot of there's a lot of nights where I'll get in trouble with the Warriors PR staff just because I'm... I'm in that media room till 8, 9 p.m., and they're like, yo, go home. But, uh, no, it's it's a phenomenal uh, – it's an absolutely phenomenal facility. Have you gotten the chance to I go? I did.
0: I went to an event there. It was pretty uh, – it was fancy.
1: Yes, it's very fancy. It's uh, they, and loud. They wasted no expense. Um, but just as someone who's gotten a chance to go to every NBA arena, I feel like they took little bits and pieces uh, that were – the hallmarks of other arenas and so they really have the best of of everything so it's it's impressive and You know, it's nice to go to work every day in a building that's that nice. So
0: yeah, well, that's what we all feel when we come to (laughs) Fifth Mission too. Uh, Same thing. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about. So you've been covering the Warriors for two seasons. This is my fourth season. The fourth season. Okay, I can't count. It just seems like you got here yesterday. (laughs) So how has the team? You've you've seen this incredible team. Like you just inherited the Warriors at their peak to cover them. What is the mood around? the team going into the season, the first one at the Chase Center and coming off of you know really disappointing loss in the finals last year?
1: Yeah, so I, I got put on the Warriors beat right after they signed Kevin Durant. So that was uh, very... You've lasted longer than KD. I did last... <laughs> I outlasted Kevin Durant. Um, but, you know, that was a phenomenal run to get to cover, especially first time as an NBA beat writer. It was pretty surreal. But last season was... Honestly, the mood around the team much of the season was very kind of awkward, uncomfortable. Kevin Durant was kind of in his feelings a lot of the season, was sullen, not really talking to teammates. And when you have a guy that high profile who's acting that way and kind of um, being reclusive and and obviously getting into it with media at times, with myself, uh, it can kind of set a tone for the entire organization. And so I think everyone – Kind of felt relieved in some ways when Kevin Durant left, which might sound crazy because Kevin Durant's one of the greatest players of all time. But um, the the mood was kind of lifted, and right now they're a lot younger. They have eight newcomers. Uh, tw- they have eleven of their fourteen guys who are under twenty six years old. Uh, that they went from being the oldest team in the league to one of the youngest teams in the league. So. There's obviously not as heightened expectations for the season, but I think there's a new energy and there's an excitement just to have a fresh chapter in the new arena with a new roster and kind of move past everything that went on with Kevin last season.
0: So that's interesting because it, it, it sounds like you kind of felt that vibe too. And and Katie's even said he didn't feel like he Got along with every I mean they got along, but he didn't really feel like part of the team and that's interesting that you felt that even as a beat writer
1: oh definitely i mean you as a beat writer you're around the team every single day, so you know i'm in the locker room every day i'm I'm not on the plane with them or anything like that, but I am you know around the team hotel a decent amount i'm 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 seeing them you know a lot. So you really do get a a real pulse on what's going on internally um just from being around. And then, you know, there are a lot of times where players will be pretty open with you about how they're feeling. And Kevin there were a couple times last season where Kevin pulled me aside to tell me how he was feeling about my coverage or about uh things I had said on a podcast or written um, and he made it very clear where his head was. Um, I remember he told me one time uh, we were in Phoenix, I believe, last February, and this was during um, this was during all the speculation about him going to the Knicks right after the Knicks traded Christos Porzingis to um, to Dallas, and there's a lot of speculation that he was going to join Kyrie with the Knicks, and um, and he had kind of called out media in a press conference, and a couple of days after that, we're in Phoenix. And he comes up to me in the locker room and just stares at me and just says, "Yo, have I been good to you?" He's just and, uh, he, and he's kind of towering over me and brandishing his knuckles and just keeps asking me, "Yo, have I been good to you? Have I been good to you? Have I been good to you?" And um, I'm like, "What? What's what's going on here?" Um, and he was upset about something I had said on a podcast. Forty minutes into a podcast where I was asked directly if Kevin Durant leaves the Knicks, why will he leave the – or if he goes to the Knicks, why would he go to the Knicks? And I said to follow Kyrie Irving. And And he was mad about that. He was mad about that because he felt like it made him come across like he was weak and a follower. And uh, he, he got into it with me and said, you know, don't act like you know my motives. Don't act like you know what I'm thinking. You don't know me like that, blah, blah, blah. And it was kind of an intense interaction. um, And it also just blew my mind that he would even be aware that I said that. Uh, And he told me I listened to and I read everything. So be careful. You know, he kind of warned me. Fast forward a few months, he leaves the Warriors to follow Kyrie Irving to the Nets. And now we know that the hay was so kind of in the barn. So if you're listening,
0: Katie, oh, we got you. <laughs> no, no, the
1: hay was kind of in the barn at that point and yeah. I had been hearing things like it was already kind of a done deal that he was following Kyrie wherever Kyrie wanted to go whether it was the Knicks or the Nets. And so I think I kind of hit a soft spot there which but I say that just to say that you 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 learn a lot just from being around all the time.
0: Yeah, well, I, you know what, what I don't think people who um, may be listening to this really appreciate it about our sports staff is it. It's it's one of the few jobs we have where you're on the road all the time. I mean, yes, you get to go to a lot of fun games, so there is that part of it. But I think people don't appreciate how hard it is to be. In a locker room, or speaking to these players all the time, and they don't have to talk to you, they don't have to be nice to you, um, and and you and you have a responsibility to still be a journalist and be critical and try to analyze what's going on and try to uncover news, unlike a politician who you know really has to talk to the media at some point because we are the the way you get a message out to the public, the sports. You know there's celebrities. They don't they don't need to talk to you. And it's how do you deal with that? The people who don't want to talk to you—is that awkward? Is it difficult, or do you just develop a thick skin after a while?
1: You have to develop a thick skin. I think a lot of it is just um, showing them that you're not afraid of them. You know, because a lot of these guys, especially the Kevin Durant of the world, they're so big. They're they're global icons. They're global celebrities, and it, it can. For a lot of people, probably be easy to, to feel intimidated, but I think the big thing is if you're going to – my thing is if I'm going to write something or say something about a player that's critical maybe, um, I'm going to be in that locker room the next day and I'm going to be looking at them in the eyes and I'm going to give them the opportunity to talk to me and I might even seek them out to have a conversation um, because I, I'm going to stick by anything I write or say. And I also want to ha- give them the opportunity to confront me or talk to me about it if they they have an issue. And I, I found that generally speaking, players and coaches and front office execs tend to respect that, you know, it, it, even if they don't like what you're saying, um, just the fact that you're willing to have a conversation and, and you know, willing to show up um, is huge. And honestly, it's it's all about relationships and and sports are weird because you have to cover these people it's like it's a weird dichotomy because you have to cover these people and your your work is kind of dependent on having access but you also need to be critical of them to do your job so it's an interesting tightrope to walk at times but I enjoy it how many players
0: are how are the players reacting to coming into a new arena too because they they play everywhere in the world. They've seen the fancy places. Does it really make that much of a difference to them that they're in San Francisco at the
1: Chase Center as opposed to Oracle? It does because they all had to move. They all moved pretty much. Uh every single warrior except for staff moved to San Francisco. And almost none of them were living in San Francisco before, so they all moved from the East Bay to San Francisco. I mean, a lot of these guys have enough money where they can have their place in Oakland and have their place in San Francisco, you know, that kind of situation. Uh, but so it affected them in that way. I mean, they're we've talked a lot the past few days about how they they're just kind of figuring out their new routines off the court. You know, their coffee shops, their you know how they get to practice. You know, different things that we all have to deal with when we have a new workplace. You I'm know,
0: surprised so. almost all of them have moved to the city because it's
1: it's not that far from the Bay Bridge. No, but a lot of these guys, you know, you want, you want 24-hour access to the facility to get shots up, and, you know, these guys are in and out throughout the day. And so – they don't want to have to deal with that Bay Bridge. And uh, I can't blame them because I... Because uh, <laughs> you did not get I to move not. when the Jason I, Chase I, I uh, looked briefly at apartments in San Francisco and realized, oh, yeah, I obviously can't afford that. So, uh, no, I'm still out in Alameda and, and making that commute, which is really the only downside for me of the move. Uh, but overall, it's it's been good.
0: So what is a typical day like for you
1: during the season? Like a game day or yeah uh game day or a typical um, week maybe that yeah would be a better yeah one. so I'll just give a game day and uh I mean it, it's there's a lot of different factors because uh, the hard part about this job I always say is not the actual workload it's it's the fact that you have to do it all while you're traveling right so there's a lot of days where uh you know I, I might I might have a a game in Milwaukee and I'll be in the arena working until 1 a.m. Milwaukee time. And then I got to go to my hotel and I got, and I have to, uh, and I sleep a couple hours and then I got to catch a 6 a.m. flight to the next city. And then I got to go to uh, practice that next morning in that next city and write on, write, uh, you know, 800 word story on top of newsy posts. So you got, you have, On a typical game day, I probably have four to five stories. On a typical off day, I probably have at least two to three. And then you're also talking about podcasts and radio hits and TV and all those things. So uh, it's a lot, especially if you want to work on a bigger piece, um, which I don't hold myself back from. That's really why I got into this is to do the bigger pieces. So if you're trying to work on that while doing the travel and all the daily stuff, that's when it gets to be a lot. But um, I really enjoy it. So, um, you know, this is, it's cliche to say, but this is kind of my dream job. So I can't complain.
0: Well, I whenever anyone asks me what the hardest job at the Chronicle is, I think they're always surprised because I usually say Warriors beat writer because uh, and I and I used to think it was baseball until the Warriors got really good and I thought about how much you were traveling cuz unlike baseball where we they're in the same yeah. town for for several days on end, you're you're going all the yeah, time. Yeah, and
1: that's a huge game changer, I think. And, and I, I, I tip my hat to the baseball writers because 162 one hundred sixty two games is ridiculous and all that travel is insane in its own way. But I do get jealous that they get to be in a city for two or three, four days at a time. Whereas for us, it's just the hard part is just being on planes all the time and having to ride on planes and sleep on planes. Uh, you know, that's, that's really the hardest part, I think, is having to manage the travel with with the responsibilities.
0: So I'm I'm sure everybody asks you this, but the question everybody's going to be wondering is what is Steph Curry really as nice as he seems on like TV and what's it like to cover him?
1: Yeah. Steph is exactly who you think he is. Uh, I tell people all the time, everything that, you know, how he comes across on TV and interviews, that's exactly who he is as a person. He's nothing but genuine down to earth, you know, very Christian, good dude and uh you know my interactions with him have been nothing but quality you know he's the type of guy where you know if he does have an issue with something he'll he'll talk to you about it but it's not in a menacing or <laughs> he's not cracking his <laughs> he, knuckles you know, he's not he's, he's he's gonna be professional and and nice about it um so he's been he's been uh, phenomenal to to work with and cover um so uh, it's been fun
0: and what what is one thing you think most Warriors fans would be surprised to know about the team?
1: Ooh, that's a tough one. Surprised to know about the team. Um I think and this is kind of true with the NBA in general, but I think a lot of people assume that these guys are all best friends uh because they they have that that kind of they a lot of a lot of people who are sports fans maybe the highest level they played athletically was in high school and so they kind of think about it in those terms like their high school team oh we used to go all hang out together and go to the movies and go to parties and That's not what it's like in the NBA. The NBA is not like high school. You're crushing my dreams. (laughs) Uh, Thank goodness. I tell people it's like any professional work environment where you have people that you're closer with, and you have people that you're just kind of work friends with, and you know people that you you might enjoy doing the job with, uh, but you're not necessarily hanging out in your free time. You all have your own lives. You have your own families and responsibilities and so like clay thompson and and steph are, are close in the sense that they've experienced a lot together on the court they've been through it now for eight years and so they they have a a bond there but they're not going they're not hanging out in their free time
0: they're not actual brothers they're not <laughs> they're Just not actual brothers
1: what clay well he's actually dating someone now but clay was a a bachelor for a long time and then uh obviously Steph is married with three kids, so there's just a different, you know, lifestyle there and they're not necessarily there's not necessarily a lot of overlap in terms of what they would do in their free time.
0: So what do you think the season is going to look like for a fan? I mean the tickets are insane. Yeah. I was looking at them this morning. You yeah. can get nosebleed seats for like $150. Yeah. It's expensive to go. Are fans gonna be disappointed in this season?
1: I think that fans who are paying $150 need to kind of just know what they're getting and know know what they're uh, paying for because they're not paying for a championship caliber team. This team is, you know, for them to con- even contend for a title this year, literally everything would have to go right. You know, Clay would have to come back in late February, hundred percent, and they would already have pretty much locked down a, a playoff seed. And they, a lot of things, and you know, their young guys would need to exceed expectations and be better than a lot of us think they're going to be um but i think this season's going to be really exciting and as as the beat writer i'm very much looking forward to it because it's all about you know i just care about having good stories to tell and there's a lot of good stories to tell there's eight new players there's all these uh changes to the coaching staff front office uh there's so many moving parts new roles uh guys who the average fan might not even be super aware of who are going to need to settle into significant rotation spots. So, um, you know, I I think if you're a fan who only cares about winning, then it it might not be as fun. But if you're a fan who cares about the stories and cares about um, just the overall growth of a franchise, um, it, it could be fun.
0: So my last question for you, are you aware that the editors think there's such a thing as a Connor Letourneau
1: curse? Uh, yes. <laughs> I joke about it with uh with my my editors all the time. So
0: maybe explain to everybody what yes. what you have done to this it, team. Yes. <laughs> it
1: and it's actually it's extremely frustrating, but every time I do a bigger profile piece on a player, he gets injured. Every single time. It's it's like almost worse than the the famous Sports Illustrated curse. I had a bigger piece last year on Damian Jones who at the time was their starting center. And you know how it is with print media. There's a lot of times where I'll, I'll file a story and it doesn't get in the paper for six weeks sometimes. Okay,
0: six weeks is a little much. That, but... that was the
1: Damian Jones story. And it was very frustrating because it was in the can for six weeks and then we were supposed to run it the next day. And he tore his pec muscles out for the season. Um, so that was frustrating. And I, I kind of give my editors a hard time because I'm like, we can't have another Damian Jones situation but I, I so have, this week we rushed something into print. yes I appreciate that but he was also he got injured that yes, the, I know. the day before <laughs> so uh Alan Smiley, their rookie out of Belgrade Serbia uh did a piece and and uh had that in the camp for a couple weeks and he got injured not seriously so I don't think that was a huge deal I don't think it affected the story that much um but we do have a bigger piece coming out I believe later this week on Willie Cauley-Stein, uh, th- who's going to be their starting center. And this summer I actually went to your home state of Kansas with him. Uh, went to southwestern Kansas, a town called Spearville. You ever heard of Spearville? No. It's, a, it's <laughs> It a town, must be very small. It's a town small. of 700 people east of Dodge City. Um, wow. And I went there with That's him. That's deep deep Kansas. Yes, yes. Uh, so we got a bigger story running on him, but he got injured a couple weeks ago and is out indefinitely. Uh, with a foot injury, so, you know, that's where we're at.
0: All right, Connor, I promise to get these <laughs> published sooner if you stop <laughs> injuring off the, the players yes, with your curse. Yes. Uh,
1: I'll try. I, I, I will.
0: <laughs> well, uh, get your rest now, and and good luck on opening night, and thanks so much for coming in.
1: Thank you, appreciate it.
0: Thank you to beat writer Connor Letourneau for being with me today, and check out his podcast, Warriors Off Court, Thanks to King Kaufman and Karen Creighton for producing this episode and thank you for listening. Fifth and Mission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network.
1: If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing.
1: You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle.
0: There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com/subscribe.